Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Happy almost Independence Day to you. Almost. If you're joining us online, we're really glad that you're with us today as well. Um, I got a statement before we get into the, to the message. I got a statement that I want to read from the elders here and from myself. Uh, this is what it says. Friday, June 24th, 2022 was a historic day in America. We joined millions of others in thanking God that the Supreme Court made a pivotal decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. It was a pivotal decision because it removed the federal legal right to an abortion and put abortion laws in the hands of the states many of which will likely ban abortion altogether. Here at First Church of Christ, we believe that human life is sacred from the womb all the way to the tomb. The foundation of that conviction comes from the Imago Dei, that human beings are created in God's image, which comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. We see it throughout the rest of Scripture. For 49 years, our federal government has denied that truth But we believe and hope that this momentous decision can mark the beginning of the end of abortion in our country. On July 6th, the Indiana General Assembly returns and we pray that they will take action to do away with abortion in our state. Because as it stands now, abortion is still legal in the state of Indiana up to 22 weeks. We lament at the reality of the many millions of people made in the image of God who never were afforded the opportunity to live outside of their mother's womb. Surely future generations will look back at what our generations have done and lament with us. And while we celebrate and praise God for all that he has done up to this point, we must remember that the Imago Dei, the image of God upon human beings, applies to human beings in the womb and out of the womb. Historically, the church has been a light on a hill when it comes to caring for orphans, widows, single parents, and anyone who is hurting in general, including those who are wrestling with their circumstance of having an unplanned pregnancy. We must continue to do this work. We must continue to come alongside all of those who are in need through practical and spiritual help as the Lord leads and gives opportunity. And to any women who have had, who have contemplated getting an abortion or followed through with one, we want you to be reminded of the grace that is offered in and through Jesus Christ. And to any men who have encouraged a woman to get an abortion or who stood idly by while their significant other went through with an abortion, we want you to be reminded of the grace that is offered in and through Jesus Christ. I've I've said this many times. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again. God does not ignore sin. He does not ignore injustices. He is just. But thanks be to God and that he is also loving and merciful and has made a way for our sins to be paid for by Jesus Christ. It is our foundational conviction that God offers grace to all, no matter your past, and invites you to surrender to Jesus and receive life abundantly. May we be a people who live out a whole life ethic as we follow the author of life. I quote from Micah 6.8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Would you join me in in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you um, as people who live in uh, a country named the United States of America. um, 
Our founding documents declare that all human beings are created equal and, and given the right by their creator to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And um, God, we, we don't just come to you, though, as merely citizens of this country. We come to you as many of us as children of yours, as people who are part of the kingdom of God. Um, and God, we come to you asking for wisdom um, for uh, the, the people who are going to be putting in legislation. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we continue to serve and be the hands and feet of your son Jesus in our community and around the world. Um, God, we pray that, that the people, the, the, the women who are faced with an unplanned pregnancy that they did not intend for and, and they are scared and they feel hopeless and helpless and uh, they, they would go toward those uh, ends um, God, I pray that we would be the people who would intercede for them and, and to provide help and to provide hope because in you there is hope abundant. Um, God, as, as we as a country um, work to be uh, the, the best version of ourselves, God, may we be reminded that you are working in and through your church um, all around the world, and you are working in and through us if we uh, give you uh, the opportunity to work through us. And God, I pray that you would do that through us. God, give us wisdom and, and also kindness as we um, interact with others who might not agree with us. Um, give us the ability to have speech that is seasoned with salt, that we speak the truth in love, that we uphold grace and truth at the same time. Um, God, we pray that you would lead the way um, into the future um, as we continue to follow after you. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name and church, if you agree, you said, amen. amen. So, how do you see yourself? How do you measure your worth in life? Who are you? What's driving you? The answer to those questions is influenced by where you come from. Uh, and I say it a different way or say it simply, where you come from impacts how you see yourself. Where you come from impacts how you see yourself. Uh, in one of the spoken word tracks that I've done, it's called You're Not an Accident. Um, in that, I share a bit about my story that I don't often share publicly. Um, and that is that when my mother became pregnant with me, she was 16. Uh, my father was 17. Uh, they had made what maybe they felt like at the time was the mistake of their lives. Um, and in coming to terms with that and sharing it with the family, um, one of the individuals in our family who's not a part of our family anymore, but my mother's stepdad at the time, um, saw me as a problem and wanted to get rid of me. He advocated for her to get an abortion. See, where you come from impacts how you see yourself, how you view yourself. Um, obviously, spoiler alert, I'm here, so she didn't do that, right? <laughs> but where you come from impacts how you see yourself. For a long time, I would wrestle with this idea that I was unplanned for, I was an accident, I wasn't meant to be, that I wasn't supposed to be, and so uh, that can lead me to some crazy places, and maybe even trying to not see my worth as an individual as just being inherent in who I am as an individual, but because I have to, uh, as, as a way to, I gotta prove my worth, I've gotta achieve my worth, I've gotta, I've gotta show that I'm worth being alive, and where you come from, 
shapes how you see yourself. So I would lay at night and wonder, why am I here? And and many of you probably ask those same, same kind of questions. You see, we live in a world that is broken, and even though um, you may follow after Jesus, each and every one of us have some very um, places that we go to to try and find sources of our worth and our value and our identity that we need not go to. And a lot of us, we don't mean to go to these places to find our identity or to find our worth and to find our value in life, but it's where we go. If we just spent some time uh, reflecting what, what makes me so much, what makes me most frustrated about myself, what makes me feel most alive about myself, we might be able to see the sources of our identity where we go to oftentimes. And the, the problem is a lot of times we don't go to the right source for those things. Just to give you some examples, like your story may, might be different from mine. It probably is. Uh, many of you have a different story than mine, but um, no matter what your story is, we look to sources of identity for our identity and worth. Um, maybe maybe for you, you, you look to uh, your professional success as a source of your worth and of your value. As long as I'm good at my job and good at my career, then I feel good about me. Um, you know, if I preach good sermons and if I, if the church grows, if, if people are excited and they're coming to Jesus and, and they are, they're growing in their faith, then, then maybe I'll feel better about who I am or whatever it is for you as a nurse or as a, as a, a child care worker or as a, a, an executive or a teacher or whatever it is for you. Uh, maybe you find your worth, your value as the level of success you've accomplished through your career. Or, or maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's your education. Because I've accomplished this degree or, or I've, I've learned this amount of things. I'm so sophisticated. I'm educated. And maybe it's because you look down at other people because they're not educated. And if they would just know, if they would just be educated, if they know the right stuff, because you have arrived. And so you see yourself connected, your worth and your value connected to your education or even your lack thereof. Others of us might look to, do we make a lot of money and our, our net worth is attached to our self-worth and so if the balance in our bank account or in our investment account is high, then we feel good about ourselves or if it's not, then we don't feel good about ourselves, maybe that is where you go. Uh, others of us, maybe maybe you look at it, okay, the source of my worth and value comes from me being a great spouse. And that's a great idea, a great goal to have, right? If you're going to be married, you might as well want to be a good uh, spouse to your spouse, right? If you got a spouse, you might as well want to be good at it. Amen? Uh, but what happens when you fail? What happens when you mess up? What happens when you experience rocky roads in your marriage? Does your worth and your value, the way you see yourself, go down and diminish? Or maybe for you, it's, it's how, being a great parent. Like, that's where I find my worth and my value. And so I try and strive to be the best parent I can possibly be. I want to be, be able to be a better parent to my kids than I had growing up. And so I want to make sure that I'm being as best as I can. But then what happens when your kids go crazy and do stuff? You know? Right? Like, you know, you're a reflection of me. And so you're, you're representing me. And so now you start to question, who am I? Am I even worth this? Am I valuable enough? And you start to wrestle with that. Uh, maybe for some of us, it's it's being, and we wouldn't want to admit this, we wouldn't admit any of these things, but it's being socially liked. As long as people like me, I like me. And if there's someone who doesn't like me, then I start not liking me. As long as people are happy with me and they like me and they, they celebrate me, then, that, then I feel good about me. But in, as soon as they criticize me or question me or, or come against me or they, they don't like me, then I start to not 
like me. It's a dangerous place to go. Or maybe for you, it's, it's, uh, it's being attractive. You know, it's, uh, as long as I look a certain way, then I feel a certain way about myself, positively or negatively. If I could just get to look this way, then I'd feel good. But guess what? You know, we keep on getting older, and as we get older, we don't look the same. Right? Can I get a witness? <laughs> so what is it for you? Where do you go to for your worth and your value and to see your identity? Like, who are you and how are you and how do you see yourself? Those are the kinds of questions we're going to see addressed in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. Um, and, and beyond that, um, in today's passage, you know, we're going to see and kind of confront, which we've already kind of done, but we're going to continue to press up against this because I believe as, as people, we have a crisis of humankind in terms of our identity. We have a crisis of identity of, of humankind. Like all of us have a tendency to go to places that we didn't mean to, to go to, to find our worth and our value, and they're not good for us to continue to go to those places. And so in this passage today, we're going to discover the sentence that you and everyone else in this room and on this earth desperately desire to hear. The sentence that everyone desperately desires to hear. And this is a sentence that I believe will free you from this identity crisis of humankind. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up. Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, this is what uh, Matthew records. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? So if, if you just reminded where we were last week, John uh, was distinguishing between his baptism and Jesus' baptism. And he's basically saying, hey, to the level that Jesus is far more supreme than me, which he's far more supreme than me, I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals from his feet, um, is the degree that his baptism is more supreme than mine. That I just baptize you in water for repentance, and he's going to baptize you in some different way with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's going to baptize you in water for the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so Jesus' baptism will be far better and far greater than mine. So then the next scene we see, Matthew moves us right along, that Jesus comes from Nazareth and Galilee up, the, up in the north, and he travels down to Judea to the wilderness along the Jordan River and he comes before John the Baptist and he says, hey, I want you to baptize me and as we would uh, just not blame John for, he argues with Jesus because he's like, hold up, man, I just got done saying to them that I ain't even worthy to untie your sandals. Yeah, you want me to baptize you? You crazy, right? Like, think about it. If Jesus came to you and said, hey, I want you to baptize me. You'd be like, huh? <laughs> Say what? No, that you gotta baptize me, Jesus. You get, you get some, you know, wires crossed or something. But, but no, uh, Jesus comes before him and says, hey, I want you to baptize me. And, and we see Jesus' response. John's like, no, that's probably not gonna, uh, fly very well. But this is what he says. Jesus answered him. I allow, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. As I've said before, as we've been walking through the book of Matthew, there are layers of meaning and insight that we can see in Scripture. And one of the things that's underneath the surface, but it's so important for us to realize and and recognize about Jesus, is that Jesus, when he came to Judea along the river with John the Baptist, he could have very well just stood with John the Baptist, started to preach to the people, called them to repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near, so repent and be baptized by John. He could have been that one. But instead, what what Jesus did is he walked down to this space and he joined the line of all of the people who, who were who are desiring to respond to God in repentance. Y'all, Jesus joined the undeserving crowd because he identifies with the people he is coming to save. Jesus is the one who said, you know, I don't have like a, a need. That's what John's issue was with him. Like, you don't need to repent. What are you talking about? You don't need to do this. But Jesus is saying, no, I came for them. I'm going to be uh, showing you that I'm with them. And one of them, God, the God, the son came down to identify with the people he came to save. Y'all, Jesus began his ministry identifying with the people of need, even though he had no need with the with the people of great, um, great need for repentance and, and revival and the presence of God, even though he was God himself. And he ended his ministry uh, in the presence of those who were undeserving. Jesus began his ministry among the rebels and he ended his ministry on a cross in between two criminals. Jesus is, is so full of grace and love that, that it doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone, he's coming to save you. And this is, shouldn't be surprising for us if we read Isaiah chapter 53 in verse 12. It reads this, Therefore I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Jesus looked at the crowd of the people who were enemies of God and he walked among them to said, Hey, I came for you. I'm not going to just stand on a pedestal. I'm coming down to be with you among you. Y'all, Jesus was like what he has done in coming to earth is utterly astonishing. God came down to become one of us. Jesus humiliated himself by becoming um, a baby in the womb of a woman. And he grew through that and he was born through Eve and then was a baby. God, the creator of the universe, came down to become a baby. Y'all know how babies are, right? They're cute and adorable, but they, they're messy. They're stinky. They cry. He humiliated himself to become a baby and then a toddler and then a child and then eventually a teenager. Jesus knows what it's like. And then he became an adult to identify with all of us who are adults now. And yet many of us, you know, we don't have the maturity level past middle school yet. You know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, then maybe it's you. It's me. It's me. 
But he came to, to identify with the people he came to save. He's like, I'm going to come and get my, my hands dirty. I'm coming down to be with you. I'm coming to love you. So if you feel like you're unworthy, you feel like you've done too much stuff in your past or even in your present, understand Jesus came to rescue you. He knows what it's like to be tempted as a human. Now, in fact, that was his mission. His mission was to come to seek and to save those who are lost. Y'all, he identified himself with the undeserving crowd. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, the people who are undeserving of his love, who are undeserving of forgiveness, undeserving of his grace. And yet you and I, some of us, we, we walk around and, and we're unwilling to give people our grace because we think they're undeserving while we've been showered with grace even though we didn't deserve it. Jesus came and when he, when he was here, he, he told a story about um, a, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And he said, one of them got away. One of the sheep got away and, and was starting to wander. And he's like, hey, how many of you would, would actually go and pursue the one? And obviously a lot of us, if we had a hundred sheep, we'd start doing the calculations. Um, and we'd be like, you know what? I got 99. I don't need another one. It's fine. I'll just write them off on the taxes. Right? Like, it'll just be a, an, an expense on the business. It's fine. I'm not going to go pursue him. But what Jesus said is he's the one, he's the shepherd who went and pursued the one who got away, who has started to wander, who has started to feel hopeless and helpless because they were a sheep without a shepherd, was starting to get into danger, was starting to wander away. And Jesus is the one who came to pursue the one, even though he left all the 99, said, y'all are fine. And he went and pursued the one. One, he pursued the, the, the woman who's afraid of the future, who's afraid of the present because she doesn't have enough resources in her mind to be able to care for that baby who's growing in her womb. He came to seek and to save her, even if she is inside of a Planned Parenthood uh, contemplating on getting an abortion, he still came for her. Even for the one who did do it, he came for her. He came for the one who, who, who was afraid and, and, and not, not knowing where they were going to get the next meal from, but yet they still had the baby and they still walked through that. He came for them. He came for all of human beings. And never get it twisted, y'all. You and I all, at one point, or maybe even right now, were the one that got away, who wandered off in the wilderness and needed Jesus to come and rescue us. Let's not ever get it twisted. You were the one at one time. I don't care if you grew up in church and you were born right there. It doesn't matter. You all, all of us have had moments where Jesus needed to come to rescue us. And if you don't think that's true, then you've not understood grace. See, Jesus is the one who identifies with the ones he's saving. Y'all, without God's grace, we are enemies of God. And Jesus came and he came behind enemy lines to save his enemies. And isn't that good news? It is such good news because you and I were enemies of his. And he looked at us and showered us with grace. And so Jesus is showing us what he is coming to do, let me read this again, Matthew chapter 3. 
Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. John just got done telling us that Jesus' baptism was going to be a baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, next week, when we start talking about spiritual warfare, as we get into Matthew chapter 4, we're going to see the fire happening right before our eyes of Jesus, the refining fire of him dealing with the temptations of the devil. Um, but right now, we see the Holy Spirit, him baptized, he's coming up out of the water, and as that's happening, from Jesus' perspective, he sees heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove onto Jesus, and in this moment, this is a magnificent, crazy, awesome moment that we cannot miss the magnitude of it. In this moment, the triune God... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are invading and infiltrating this earth to bring the kingdom of heaven onto earth. Because here's, here's what is happening. God the Son is going and submitting to baptism. God the Son is here. He's the instrument uh, in which that they are going to uh, address and attack the status quo of humankind so that we can have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus goes up into the water and then uh, the Holy Spirit uh, comes down from heaven like a dove and rests on Jesus. And then the Heavenly Father declares from heaven, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And with this moment we see Heaven breaking forth, coming to earth. The kingdom of heaven has come near. In fact, it has come and Jesus is ushering it as the new king. And we see the triune God working together in sync, in tune, in harmony to rescue you and me. And that, if we can just grasp it, is utterly astonishing because God looked at you and looked at me and said, it's worth that much trouble. That you are worth that much trouble. That I, I, and I'm messed up, y'all. And I am worth that much trouble. And we can't miss the heart of God in this because so many of us as followers of Jesus have given up on other people because we felt that they are undeserving, that they are, that they are too far gone, that they don't deserve our mercy or our grace. And we hurt God's heart because he has showered us with mercy and showered us with grace and showered us with love in which we did not deserve at any point in time. May we be the people who live in response to that truth that we didn't deserve it and we never will and you can't earn it you can't achieve it you can't buy it he gave you his grace as a gift and we see the triune god coming down to rescue you and me Friend, you are of infinite worth. And the reason I know that to be true is because the infinite God was willing to give everything and he did for you. You are of infinite worth to the God who is infinite. And what Jesus is doing in this moment, what the triune God is doing in this moment is he is addressing our identity crisis right before our very eyes. Because in Scripture, if you just do a, a little Google search on the Bible passages and just say, in Christ, Bible passages, 
what you'll find is a thread throughout the New Testament that in Jesus, when you surrender to Jesus, some powerful things happen. You are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son. You are transferred from being an enemy of his. And one of the most powerful images that we see of grace and salvation is that he adopts us as sons and daughters of his. That we went from enemies to be children and he is addressing this identity crisis because what we find is that Jesus does not just save us and forgive us of our sins, but he adopts us into God's family. The heavenly father is now Abba father. He's father to us, loving, gracious father to us. And he declares in Jesus, because we are covered by his blood, because we surrendered to him as king, because we are now in Christ That same declaration that is given to Jesus is now uh, declared over your life. That this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That in Christ... Now the heavenly father declares to you, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. And that is, that is completely, um, amazing and, and it has nothing to do with whether or not your parents ever said that to you. It has nothing to do with whether, whether your parents were good or bad or present or not. Our heavenly father declares the sentence that we all need to, to, to receive and to understand and to live out of because he sees you. And he knows you, and he declares to you that you are his child, in whom he's well pleased. You don't get to earn that. Some of us didn't grow up being affirmed as children, hearing the words, I love you, from our father or our mother. We didn't hear that. Instead, we might have heard an attaboy or girl if we did something good or we accomplished something that's rewired us to try and find our worth and our identity in what we do or what we accomplish. Or maybe you didn't have parents who are present and so you, you never feel like you measure up because you never heard that just because of your inherent humanness, your inherent existence as a human being, that you have worth and value. Instead, you feel like you've got to earn it. You've got to achieve it. You've got to prove you're worthy. And friends, freedom in Christ is when you have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. You've got nothing to prove. If you surrender to Jesus, you've got nothing to prove. Because you didn't achieve this. He didn't give you this because he was like, oh, look at you, you're doing great. No, he saw you as you are, messy, broken, up and down, twists and turns, dumb decisions, maybe some good ones. And he says, you know what? I love you. And I want to rescue you. I want to welcome you into my presence. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You don't get to achieve that, so you don't have to prove it. You didn't achieve it, so you don't get to lose it. This is the sentence we all need desperately to hear. In Christ, you are God's child in whom he is well pleased. That is who you are. That is who you are. Friend, I need you to hear me. No matter what your story is, please hear this. The Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father says, if you are in Christ, this is what he says to you. He says to all of human beings, you are are 
loved. You are loved. You are loved. And in Christ, you are rescued. You are rescued. You are safe in his arms. Some of you didn't grow up in a safe environment. I want you to know he says you're safe in his arms. This world's not necessarily safe, but you're safe in his arms because nowhere you go, his arms can't reach. He's always there. You are seen. He sees you. Maybe they didn't, but he does. You are seen. He sees you for who you are. He knows you. You are known. He knows all of the ups and all of the downs and all of the in-betweens. And he knows you and yet he still does this next thing and that is pursues you. You are pursued. He cares enough for you to follow you when you wander and to rescue you, to put you up on his back and to bring you home. You are pursued. Some of us, we strive. We strive and we strive in hopes that someone will notice us, in hopes that someone will pursue us, in hopes that someone will affirm that we are worth something. Y'all, God pursues you. You will not be abandoned no matter what your story is. You will not be abandoned because he holds you and he's with you. And so he says, he invites us, come to me, all you are weary, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Go to your dad's arms and find the grace and the worth and the value you were always meant to know about. Stop going to other things. You don't, you don't have to put on a front because I know some of us, we like, I just got to make sure I look like I've got it all together because I want to be looked at as a capable person. I just want to look at as, I just want everyone to see me as, you know, they got some things figured out. Yet that's kept you from opening your heart to other people. It's kept you from being loved to actually feeling it. You can start with going to God with whatever it is that's burdening you, with whatever it is that you go to for worth and value that you struggle with. And you'll find a loving father who loves you. It doesn't matter how far you've run from him, he's pursuing you. And in Christ, you are God's child in whom he is well pleased. I think some of us need to, to receive that for the very first time. That you can surrender to Jesus and, and then you can be adopted into his family. No longer do you have to be weary and orphaned on this earth. But you can have a heavenly family, a heavenly father who loves you. Some of us need to receive that for the first time. And a lot of us, we need to think upon that and receive it the next time. Like now. For maybe the thousandth time. We need to be reminded that in him, in Christ, you are God's child in whom he is well pleased. He loves you and he cares for you and you don't have to acquire it by achievement. You don't get to. You don't deserve it. He simply does it because of you being you. In him, 
you're a child who is well pleased. Your worth is inherent in who you are. So receive that rest in it. Church, would you stand? Let's pray. Father, we all come um, to you with, with burdens that we're bearing, with burdens that we've bared in the past, with burdens that are coming in our future. Um, God, some of us, we're, we're really just open and honest with what's going on. Some of us, we've built a lot of barriers, a lot of walls up, put up a lot of stone around our heart out of a defense mechanism to keep us from getting hurt again. God, um, you know what all of us deal with and what all of us run to to find our worth and our value. Would you please, though, start removing those walls? And maybe if we're not ready to, to talk to a brother or sister in Christ about it, would you, would you help us to start talking to you about it? God, for so many people who are in our community, who are in our midst, who are right, right beside us, right around us, who are hurting and desperate and don't know where to turn and don't have hope and feel helpless, God, would you help us to be the help that they need? God, would we always look at other people as seeing them for who they really are? That is people needing your grace and your love, no matter what they've done to us what we've seen them do to others or to even themselves. God, help us to be the people you want us to be. To rest in our identity, not seeing our identity as coming from people or our work or whatever else that we run to. God, help us to see our identity through you. We love you, Jesus. Please hear us as we sing in your name. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.